This is Before the Light Goes Out with Catherine Williams. Selena Godden is an award-winning author, poet and broadcaster of Jamaican mixed heritage based in London. In 2021, Canongate published her highly acclaimed debut novel, Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death. It won the Indie Book Award for Fiction and was the winner of the People's Book Prize in 2022. It was also shortlisted for the British Book Awards, the Bad Form Magazine Book of the Year shortlist and the Gordon Byrne Prize. Film and TV rights to this debut novel have been taken by Idris Elba and Green Door Pictures. Currently, Godden is working on three new books for Canongate, a memoir, a poetry collection and an eagerly anticipated second novel set in the Mrs Death, Mrs Death universe. All three books are due for publication in 2024 and 2025. Welcome, Selena Godden. Hello, Kath. How are you doing? I'm all right. How was that? I'm sorry. I have to do that at the beginning of the episode so people know who you are and how amazing you are. But I always feel like I'm blushing. (laughs) Are you blushing? I am blushing underneath all of this. I am blushing. (laughs) (laughs) How did you sleep last night? Last night, I slept like a person sleeping but I had, I went to a completely other world. I had a very long, vivid, epic dream. I've, I've been somewhere else. I'm only just realising that it was a dream. Um, I kind of, <laughs> it's taken me all morning to sort of unravel it all. Um, yeah, I've been somewhere very different. But hello, world, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> so do you remember dreams? Do you use them in your work? I use my, yeah, I do. I use my dreams in my work. I've been writing about my dream all morning. Yeah, I dream very vividly and remember my dreams. Sometimes, very frustratingly, I see myself writing and I try and look over my shoulder and try and read what I'm writing so I can use it in this side of the world, in this side of reality. Um, That's very (laughs) frustrating. Um, Because I'm like, well, because in the dream, I'm very, very engrossed and writing something very compelling and I'm very in it and I really want to know what I'm writing but yeah dreams are really important to me I feel like I got some rooms that I go to some houses that I visit some people that I see that I don't think I know in the real world it's very real to me though and important to me and also I have a lot of apocalyptic dreams a lot of end of the world dreams and they feel very prophetic and very sad and very sorrowful Um, And they feel like visions of something that I really hope doesn't happen. So those ones are also quite real to me. And historical dreams as well, like uh, dreaming what I believe might have been, not necessarily past lives, but perhaps lives that great, great ancestors may have lived or places where they may have been. And those also feel very real and historical. For example, in uh, Mrs Death, Mrs Death, there's a red tower and that was a uh, set in 1488 in Spain. And that there is no such place as a red tower. But I googled it because I was so convinced in this dream. I saw it so clearly in this dream and I was so convinced it must be real. And somewhere where one of my great ancestors may have lived or known or a war they may have known or a battle they may have survived. So my great, great, great grandmother was a Moor in Spain. And the, this kind of idea of that... Um, 
like seeped into the book. I totally, when you were talking about places you visited, I have a few dreams where I go to the same place and it's like a particular house and it's only a house in my dream. So I, I totally get that. And it's weird because you think, well, how can that exist more than once in a dream? Is it, yeah. is it somewhere real? Is it from passed down in genes? Yeah, or, or is it a memory? Or And then do you go back to your childhood home? I go back to my childhood home quite a bit, but often... Often it's very changed, like there'll be, like the room will be the wrong way round or there'll be a staircase where there was never a staircase or a door where there was never a door. They're very, um, they're very surreal, those dreams. But I go back to, a lot of my dreams are in Hastings. A lot of my dreams are, are in my, my childhood home there. Yeah, because yeah. your memoir, uh, Springfield Road, was touched on all of that and the growing up of there didn't it yeah it did that that book's being um revised and rewritten and it's going to be republished next year in may by canongate it's going to be all new all dancing new cover um i've spent this winter having quite an arduous time of it actually going through it from beginning to end and and re, re revisiting those those pages it's quite a thing actually because i thought i would be quite distanced from it and I am in a way because I'm 50 now and those pages, that book was written in my 30s. But I realised when I was editing it and revising it and reading it, it, I wasn't just going back in there to collect the nine-year-old and what she endured and, and what horrors and traumas and, and beauty that she observed. But also I went back in there to get the 30-year-old too and give her a hug too. Because uh, I think she had a really tough time of it writing that book. My memories of being 30 and struggling to write it at this fold-out table in this like tiny little cramped flat where there was, you know, the rent was always due and there's no food in the fridge. There was something about that, about going back and collecting the child, but also this uh, hungry young poet that, that wanted to write this book against all odds. So it's been quite oh, that, a journey, yeah. That's amazing, the unpacking twice. I had that a bit when I did the anthology box set of my stuff because I was, I'd was, i never really looked back before and I was compiling everything that was created. And, mm. then, and then it's the unpacking of the person who's creating it and then what they were trying to get from before. So it, yeah. it, it does sort of flip-flop backwards. Yeah, it's kind of a crazy box within a box within a box it really it? is it really is I love that I love that anthology by the way it's beautiful I love your work so much Kath but I think oh. as I think as artists and writers we do we we live we live many times we live and then we go through the experience again through our art through song or through lyrics and then we go through it again when we perform it when we read it and share it and then we live it again when people come back and tell us how that impacted on on them or resounded with them or how their response to that emotion or that memory. So we live many times as artists and writers. In many ways, it's a privilege. In other ways, it's terrifying. It's strange, isn't it? It's like going through a, a Escher staircases. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the first time we've seen each other for ages. So and like I forgot yeah. how eloquent you are with like the prompt of a first question <laughs> so where are you sleeping tonight i'm going to sleep in my bed like like in my real bed i love my bed it's so important to have a bed that you like at the moment it's got a really nice dark green 
duvet cover and pillowcases, which really please me. So I feel like I'm sleeping in a deep green forest. I quite like it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're just about to paint uh, our eldest's room green because we heard that, like... Um, well, it's the most relaxing colour for our eyes. Oh, is it? Yeah, and it can, like, help with loads of things like um, attention and all sorts. Yeah, tricks you into being in a forest. <laughs> <laughs> so where's the strangest place you've ever slept? Oh, for crying out loud, Kath. Where's the strangest place I've... I knew I've... this would be a good one for you. <laughs> I've woken... It's not where I've gone to sleep, it's where I've woken up. <laughs> my goodness I wouldn't know where to begin with that answering that so are you saying you were a wild one oh I I had some funny sleeps and some funny wake-ups that's all I'm gonna say to that um yeah I've got so many so many strange things come to mind when I say that I do remember climbing under tables and having little naps at parties and in nightclubs and in pubs and, you know, and getting under the pool table for a quick cat nap before I carry on <laughs> drinking. <laughs> the things like that come to mind when you say that. Yeah. When you're on tour, does the does your sleep change when you're in, like, do you enjoy hotel rooms and being on your own? Or, you know, because I think as a writer, you often... Uh, the writers, they go away to to like write in specific places or to finish a book or to finish a chapter or even do you, do you get like bursaries to write in places as well they're they're few and far between they're really competitive it's really competitive to get a bursary or get help in that way I do like to go away and write um for example when I was writing Mrs Death Mrs Death I went and lived in that tower in Northern Ireland um and and I was in there for a month it's a disused old prison tower like a curfew tower it's called the curfew tower how how do I like it it depends how haunted it is it depends how my imagination is it depends how I'm feeling in the vibe or the energy of the room sometimes like for example the tower I was really scared for the first week you know I was really I really felt like there was there was a lot of energies a lot of people had been there a lot of stories in the walls of that very ancient sort of building yeah yeah, I, I quite like hotels. I like being alone. I like, I really like my own company and I like uh, getting absorbed in the writing in a way that you can't do when you're surrounded by people. I love that. I, I keep very strange hours as it is. As you know, I, I get up at four in the morning and I like to watch the sunrise and that's my time for writing. I like watching a new day yeah I've got a really over imagination so if I think there's a ghost or there's been a murder in the room I will not get a wink of sleep and I will just be jumping every time I hear a noise or yeah or feeling like I'm being watched or something yeah I can really creep myself out actually yeah yeah I'm I'm terrible like that but like (laughs) pathetically so I mean Anything from Midsummer Murders to uh, Miss Marple and I need Neil to check the toilet for me that there's not someone in there going to kill me. Or someone, yeah, someone in the wardrobe (laughs) or someone under the bed or someone watching through the keyhole or someone, oh, my God, the list is endless of things that give me... Someone's copied the key in my hotel (laughs) and they're going to come in and just all they're going to do is watch me sleep. Yeah, oh, my God, they're just going to stand there watching me sleep (laughs) whilst rubbing an axe. (laughs) 
filthy rubbing their acts. We've kind of answered, can you sleep anywhere? You know, some people can't sleep on trains or cars or planes or in hotel rooms. Yeah, I don't really sleep in travel. I don't really like to sleep on trains or in t- in a taxi or... Yeah, no, because, I mean, you could just wake up and, and someone's just watching you sleeping, rubbing an axe. <laughs> You're like on your train. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I can't sleep anywhere. I'm, I'm not an easy sleeper. I'd put myself like that. I'm in that, that group. Some people can sleep anywhere and yeah, no, I'm a very light sleeper and a very, when I'm not, when I'm somewhere strange, I'm very alert and also nosy and also want to look at things when I'm not where I, when I'm not in my own house, you know, inquisitive and curious what's going on around me. So do you prefer sleeping alone or with someone? Oh, I, I, I'm going to 50-50 that one. I, there's, there's, I really like sleeping with my lovely Dickie and having cuddles and falling asleep, being held and feeling safe and warm. And, and that's a nice feeling, isn't it? You miss it when you haven't got it. When got it when you're just away, to clarify you for the podcast, yeah. Dicky is your partner. That's his name. Yeah, yeah his name's <laughs> Richard. <laughs> Richard, sorry. Yeah, that makes me happy, and that makes you know. But and I really miss it when I'm away or on tour. Or but there, it's also quite nice to sleep like a starfish <laughs> in the middle of the bed, taking up all the room. There's something nice about that too, isn't there? And and waking up naturally when you want to wake up, as opposed to waking up when your partner wakes up. Um, yeah, that's a good yeah. one actually. So you can yeah. finish your dream or finish your conversation you're having in your head while you're sleeping. You're making me think of weird sleeps, like like I'm I'm having a memory of having of sleeping with an auntie in the bed, you know, and you just feel wooden. Have you ever done that where you're having to share a bed with someone that you're not familiar with or someone that you don't want to cuddle and you have to yeah. sleep like this because like you know, really straight because you don't want your leg or arm to touch them. Yeah, like there's a line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And when you were a kid, do you remember sleeping top to toe? Yeah, I used to bite my sister's toes, actually, <laughs> just for fun. Different sleeps. I like sleeping I like sleeping in a hammock. I'm now thinking of happy sleeps. Like sleeping in a hammock, like when you're on holiday, somewhere tropical and delicious and, and you know, and a couple of pina coladas reading a book and then you fall asleep. So you're yeah. just like in your mummy's belly there. Yeah, just swinging yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, I love a pina colada. I love anything that's <laughs> coconut flavoured. Yeah, it's my favourite flavour, coconut. Is it? Mm. Spoon, cuddle or space? Spoon. Oh, nice. Do you sleep through was the other question, but you've kind of said that you, you get up early. So is this a routine that you've always had or is it yeah. come with... Yeah, it, start, it started in my 30s when I was working on the memoir, when I was working on Springfield Road, because I was grifting so hard then. I was, in those days, I was gigging four, five, six nights a week to make money, to live, to eat. You know, little money, tiny money, you know, like, you know, just to buy bread and milk or whatever. Um, like, you know, a tenner or something. You know, when you sell a little zine that you've made. All my work was self-published in those days, just making zines and printing them in the library and... So the only way I could write big and and get what I wanted to get done done was was this strange habit of getting up at four and you know and, and working until midday and then I just seemed to do it. I don't set an alarm. I I sort of wake up at four in the morning quite naturally. If I've been working in a book, 
for example, like a big book like Mrs. Death, then I will dream in the book and then leap out of bed at four in the morning with the next bit, knowing what I want to write next because I've been dreaming the storyline carrying on in my head. So, yeah, I love that, though. I love to see the seasons change, the light change. I love to, I love it getting earlier and earlier as it gets lighter, earlier and earlier. You know, in the winter, it's all pitch black at four in the morning, your little hot chocolate. And then in the summer, it's like a nice orange juice and you open the windows and it's already getting light. It's gorgeous. I love that light. But I like it the other way, too. I like staying up all night and, and watching the sunrise with friends and drinking a bottle of rum. And I, I'm definitely... A sunrise person if I had to choose sunrise or sunset I think I love sunrise yeah I haven't seen a lot of sunrises it's making me want to do it so do then do you have a nap in the day it depends a really intense manic day I will go from four till four and that's really unhealthy and I get really told off for doing that and I won't even have eaten I'll have I'll have, I'll have the same cup of tea in it, um, empty cup the way um, Richard has put a cup of tea there before he goes to work at seven and then he'll go off to work and he'll come home and I literally haven't moved. That isn't good. It's not healthy. And I haven't even eaten and I've barely gone for a pee and um, barely moved, you know, and I get really bad shoulder ache and really bad arm aches. I've achieved a lot, but I'm also slightly mad and unhappy. That's not good. So taking breaks is something I'm I'm trying to teach myself and, um, and eating regularly at regular hours. And it's just the basics, drinking water. I don't know um, why I'm made like this, but I tend to do things extremely. So I'm extremely gigging and touring monster or I'm extremely writing monster. And neither of them are very chill. I, I, I kind of, there, there, is an, there is a balance. There is a way of doing a gig and then going home and going to bed or writing for a few hours and then taking a rest but finding that balance I find it really difficult for some reason I know when I'm sort of being too addictive like that with work because I can mm. feel a burning it's almost like a burning hunger to carry on to yeah. carry on and when now mm. when I feel that I'm like oh that's a warning sign you need to just yeah. well in a, in a way but it's also um it also reminds me a little bit of like when you're running I used to love athletics and uh, like when you're running and burning to, you know, it's kind of a push through. Like you're kind of pushing through something. Sometimes something magic happens when you do that, but you do pay for it. Your your body does complain, you know, and your your brain, you know, and your your, your eyes are all sort of fixed because you've been staring at a screen too long. Um, taking breaks, drinking water, eating regular meals. We are learning this at fifty. <laughs> 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 if that's what carries you on in that kind of persistence way for work, what keeps you awake at night? Is there something that keeps you awake? Is it work that keeps you awake? Or I don't know how to answer that, really. I think my head is quite... I have a lot of head traffic. Usually, like I think like many people, the thing that keeps me awake at night, or more the point, the thing that I'll wake up and then start panicking about, are usually things that are just not real, or things that are just... <laughs> seem huge at two in the morning and you don't want to be awake and there's and you're just pacing the kitchen and going oh you know and they're normally really unfounded paranoias and anxieties and you know worrying if I could have done more or been better or if I said something wrong or clunky if I was clumsy if I forgot to say thank you or please if I was acting ungrateful or entitled if I you know, I worry. I worry so much about stuff like that. I really want to um, be kinder, 
kinder, kinder. Kinder to yourself. I think nighttime shame is yeah. a crazy thing. Shames really pass ag at night because it can say, oh, yeah, you you didn't share your taxi and you didn't invite that person and you invited that person or, you know, all of those things that are like injustice or unfair that you can't solve there yeah, and there yeah. and shame's yeah. like i'm gonna tell them about it now yeah why does the brain do that i know why does the brain do that it is terrible so here's a question for you what do you do when you're in a what did you call it a night shame what do you do i simply just like <laughs> Well, I deflect, so I, I, I listen to podcasts. I mean, part of starting this series of podcasts was that I get really bad nightmares and terrors and those shameful yeah. wakings, and they got really bad at one stage. And then, I, and then I found podcasts, and I really like gentle, interesting podcasts where I feel like those people are in the bed with me chatting until I fall asleep. And I was like, ah... Oh, that's what I want to do. do you, what do you do? Do you just put your headphones in and then just listen to a nice podcast? Yeah, yeah, or just my phone at the side of the bed and just, like, gentle or interesting things. Within five, ten minutes, I'm off to sleep. Or I've got an insight timer that I do my meditation with and sometimes they have some good, like, 40 minutes sleep something. Cheesy pan pipes and some American going... Welcome to the sweet spot of the universe. <laughs> Things like that. And it just sort of it just sort of drifts me off. I just I just distract myself and then go back to sleep. So That's good advice. That's really good advice. Yeah. I'm really into audiobooks and podcasts. I listen sometimes I listen to an audiobook to go back to sleep. Sometimes though, I go downstairs and I get on the sofa and I watch some really bad television that I would mm. never normally watch. And I Naked would... Attraction? Yeah. No. <laughs> no. I watch something like Housewives of Beverly Hills or something like that. Something really cheesy and far away from my world and it completely takes my mind off whatever terrible crime I think I'm guilty of. Then then yeah. because that is a terrible crime, watching Housewives of Hollywood yeah, or whatever it's called. Yeah. Perspective, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. What are you I doing? Was... Yeah. <laughs> or reading, of course. Reading books is a good way to I I love books. I love the way when I read books, I just feel like my heart slows down and I just feel like it just kind of grounds me and centers me in a way no other activity does when I've been reading for half an hour or an hour or whatever just like I'm, I sort of find myself again and sort of slow down my thinking it's such so good for you reading it's amazing I mean the only thing I have at the moment is I've got such a big massive pile of books that I want to get through that they, they've been slightly scowling at me recently. And I'm like, well, I can only read as fast as I read. So <laughs> you just have to stay. It's like watching um, watching a queue outside a shop and I'm the shopkeeper. I'm like, hang on, just stay in the queue. You will have your turn. When, yeah, I, feel, when I feel like that, I'll read a poetry book because they're nice and quick. And then, yeah, and then that gets the queue moving along again. <laughs> I call that space food. I got really into poetry when the kids were little because you could read one poem or two poems. Opens up throughout the day, so you can just yeah. keep thinking about it. So you work better either in the morning, early morning or late at night. No, uh, yeah, early morning, I'd say, definitely, yeah. 
And what is it specifically about that apart from the sunrise? Is it that you're outside of society, there's no one around, or what? what is it? Well, there's loads of levels to it. Firstly, yeah, it's the sunrise and the light and the watching a new day, which fills me with a new hope. It's a new chance, a new page, a new go at it, a new fresh start and all of that, which is probably why so much of my work is so full of so much cheesy hope <laughs> because I'm watching the new day begin. <laughs> but then um, also the real truth is that I know all my loved ones are safe and in bed and they won't be needing to ring me. Nobody will need me. None of my need people will need me, really, at that time. Everyone's tucked up in bed. And so I can be as selfish as a boy and just get on with some writing. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other thing is, yeah, it, I do. I feel like I'm... It's this time that I've promised myself, gifted myself. It's my time. Yeah, here's the thing I was trying to remember to say. that I think what it is as well is that I feel like I'm close to that thin line between dream and reality. And uh, the dreams are really fresh in my head. Um, and and so they, they, there's this lovely leak of kind of dreamy feel, sleepy feel, as well as that sort of morning feel. And I like that. Like before the day comes crashing and the reality and the deadlines and all the emails start flying around in your head and the dates and the diary and itineraries and schedules and budgets, all my my worst words. I think my most hated words are schedule, schedule itinerary and budget. I hate any <laughs> sentence with those words in them. <laughs> I hear you. I, I... Yeah. I'm not very good at adulting at all. <laughs> I also think that well, I was just reading this that Rick Rubin book about creativity. Oh, it's beautiful, and, that book. I, yeah, I've been yeah. reading that. Yeah, and there was just one um, chapter last night I was reading in bed and it was talking about opinion and getting to the point. It's not our job as creatives to give our opinion to other people or get to the point. You know, people are always wanting a close or a conclusion. and um, And he was talking about that time between conscious subconscious and finding those bits where you and probably the reader has a gut reaction to what they know is going on but couldn't necessarily explain that to someone else and I really enjoyed that idea of of not telling people nobody wants to be told what to do really do mm. they well there might be mm. some people but um that's a very niche um market in the uh porn world <laughs> but you know what i mean like I, I really like that idea of the exploration and and the pressure being taken off us as creatives to explain ourselves yeah. and what we need to do is explore and note that exploration down and then the answer will come at some point, but it's not mm. for us to force that answer onto the exploration. And I just thought that was so liberating and beautiful. And I guess your time is so much about that. You were saying, like, nobody needs me. All the other times, like, you are available as a love beacon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that time when you're close to sleep, you, I think you've sort of planted yourself in a time where it's moving, it's shifting, it's going from day to night, it's going from awake to sleep or sleep to awake, quiet to gradual noise, wake. It is this beautiful other place. No wonder you're writing so beautiful. Oh, thank you. I'm just a dreamer, baby. <laughs> <laughs>
But I'm not the only one. <laughs> do you do you ever have radio or podcasts or do you like quiet or noise when it's time for bed? When it's time for bed, probably quiet. Probably quiet and, and chatting to Richard until he tells me to shut up. <laughs> And then I normally think of something really funny and then I start laughing loads and then I get told off. No, not really. Then he starts laughing with me. Then he goes, look, I've got to go sleep now. Stop it. And then I'm, yeah, it's sort of that sort of thing. And then I like that falling asleep going, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> So I try not to laugh, start cracking up again. That's a happy way to fall asleep. I listen to this um, podcast, Three Bean Salad, and it's just three men being daft together. It's so sweet and so funny. And it reminds me of like hanging out with friends and just going on a flight of fancy about a pint of Guinness or a coffee shop or something. I'll be sort of proper doubled up laughing and I can hear Neil sort of chuckling to himself at me laughing, but like (laughs) being sort of really sleepy as well. I can't believe we've got to the last question. It has totally flown by. That is so fast. The last question is... Can you remember a lullaby or a song or book that sent you to sleep as a child? Yes, I can. My mum used to sing to me, Good night, Mr. Moon, and it goes like this Good night, Mr. Moon. Come again and see us soon. Good night, Mr. Moon. Come again and see us soon. And when you're awake, through the window pane will peek. When you're asleep, through the window pane will peek. We'll wake up and call out good night, Mr. Moon, Mr. Moon, who lives on high. Do you have a mother dear? Do you have a place called home like the one we have down here in your starry nest? Do you ever rest? Good night, Mr. Moon. Good night. That's what my mum used to sing to me every night. I've never, I've never heard that. It's so beautiful. I felt like really teary then. Um, Yeah. So where's that from? I don't know. I don't know. That's what she's saying to all of us, me and my brother and my sister. So do you think she made it up? I've no idea. Maybe my dad made it up. My dad was a musician. I don't know. I've never, nobody knows it. But yeah, whenever I get hold of a baby, I sing that to them and they go straight to sleep. It works. (laughs) <laughs> it's really it's really beautiful oh <laughs> yeah i can't believe i still know it off by heart like that yeah well no wonder i'm moon obsessed <laughs> and also no wonder i think the moon's actually got like an actual conversation going on and yeah you love the moon as well though don't you you're really you love a good full moon don't you kath Oh, I do. I do love a moon. I, I had um, a song on an early album. It was from the song Mirable, which was kind of about my Neil. And it, the second verse goes, Moonlight is so overrated, complete darkness is so embraceive. And then later on, I had another album where I was like, I was wrong about Moonlight. 
And I was wrong about you. On the latest one, I've got a song called Moon Karaoke. Yeah, I love that song. Yeah. So, like, imagining if what the moon would sing if, if she was on karaoke. And so it's been... I mean, I think it's an ongoing theme for a lot of songwriters. Um, Selena Godden, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you, Kath. See you soon, Mr Moon. Bye.